in brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Losers cower before the power, oranges lust and blues you can trust, indigos feel and white ones heal, yellow scare and green ones dare. That sapphire love and black hands glove will rock your foundation without hesitation. Chad and Mars face evil's minds. Respect their power for they'll make you see the light. Hey everyone, I'm Mark Marble. I'm Chad Bokelman. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 545. You can still woo, Chad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. I think some of you may have seen by the album art or by the title of the episode what's going on. But just in case, we'll keep the suspense just a little bit longer. Um, But tonight we are talking about Green Lantern issue seven. Yes. Yes. Before we get into it, we should mention Dan's not here. <laughs> yeah, I figured we should touch upon that. But since we hadn't talked about it, I figured I'd do it at the end if you didn't do it now. But go ahead. Yeah, so Dan's not here. Um, it feels weird to talk for Dan without Dan here, but it'd also be weird to ask him to come on the air to explain it <laughs> with his own words. Uh, but uh, for those of you who are long, long, long times of fans of the Lantern cast, uh, you know, Dan and Jim started the show for a long time and then both of them got burned out uh, and handed the show over to Mark and myself. So, you know, uh, we've been going at a good clip here. And, you know, during that time, Dan, you know, quote unquote, returned uh, by starting his own show uh, on YouTube, the uh, Mosaic Comics YouTube channel. He got some of his passion and energy back and wanted to put it into that medium. Um, and on, some of the listeners who listen to us now came to us and discovered us through Mosaic Comics. So thank you for being here. But as you can imagine, talking about the current issues on Mosaic Comics on his and coming up with a script and the, the video and all the stuff for that, and also covering that same stuff, on a podcast nearly every week, every other week, now that these things, Green Lantern issues are coming out almost weekly now because we have three different series uh, at current. Um, it can be a bit tedious, as you can imagine. And uh, we don't want Dan to lose his passion. Uh, so he's going to f- he said he's going to uh, focus on uh, Mosaic Comics a little bit more this year in 2024. And it's not like he will never join us again on the Lantern cast. We're just talking about current issue reviews. Yeah, he's pretty much burned out in period, just in general, doing issue reviews, period, not just when he's on with us, doing them himself, doing on his up for, for Mosaic. He's he's still kind of he he just feels kind of overwhelmed and it's taking too much of the time away from the topics that he kind of wants to do. So he wants to take a break in general just from issue reviews. So the odds are Dan will be back on before you know it. It's just it's just unlikely to be a regular issue reviewing. I mean, maybe if we wanted to. The grand finale of the Alan Scott book. Maybe he'll, he'll be willing to come back on. But the reality is, yeah, he'll, he'll, I'm sure he'll be on before you know it for for more more intriguing topics than just the, the weekly what it's basically is now weekly issue reviews. Yeah, for sure. Um, but let's go ahead and without further ado, I guess, just get into the meat of uh, tonight, because we are talking about Green Lantern 7, uh, which as we record this came out today, we are on top of things, people. <laughs> uh, our story, titled Nothing to Fear, was written by Jeremy Adams with art by Amon K. Nahuelpan. Um, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing any names. Colors by Romulo Fajaro Jr., lettered by Dave Sharp. Our cover by Edwin Galman. Assistant editor Jillian Grant and editor Paul Kaminsky. So we open on Oa sometime after the events of Green Lantern 12 by Jeffrey Thorne, and the core is gathered in front of our new battery on Oa awaiting representatives from the United Planets. And among them are Hal, John, Guy, Kyle, Simon, Jessica, Joe, and Kilowog. 
And they discuss amongst themselves their potential future as they escort the United Planet emissaries inside. But once inside, the news that 2814 is under quarantine due to yet another crisis, as well as some other uh, factors, uh, is announced. And then some assignments are given out to various lanterns, uh, which Guy Gardner, of course, almost immediately rejects and is about to quit until he learns that his assignment is to hunt down Lobo. And uh, accepting that very willingly, heads out the door, <laughs> off, off to do his assignment. Meanwhile, Hal and Kilowog are jointly uh, chosen to accompany Lord Premier Tharos to Korrigar, where Tharos plans to persuade Sinestro to join the United Planets. But after some insubordinate scoffing on Hal's part. He's dismissed from that meeting, but soon after three Sinestro Corps members attack the meeting, specifically targeting Tharos as Kilowog defends him. Hal quickly returns to check on his friend uh, as well as Tharos and Kilowog asks Hal to get Tharos out of there while he handles everything else that's going on. Um, so he takes on the Sinestro Corps members, and as just as Hal returns to the fight after dropping off Tharos, the nearby Yellow Sentry power battery on Korgar explodes. But back on Earth, Hal is finishing up telling this story to Razor. Hal says that he woke up days later on Oa. Sinestro had signed with United Planets and swears he was ignorant of the attack. Kilowog and his attackers apparently were vaporized in the explosion. And as our issue ends, Razor says there is always hope. And Hal grins and asks if that's what they taught him on Odom. At which point Razor reveals that the battery, central power battery on Odom has also been destroyed. Enough with this Odom hate. (laughs) (laughs) It's an interesting issue. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Those blue lanterns, man, they, they, there's no place they can go. The thing, bad things are not going to follow them. It's so depressing. Uh, <laughs> it, it is. It's it's it, it really it really is a kick right, right to the cajonies every time for the blue lanterns. At least I wasn't. <laughs> I, I say Walker must be drinking must be drinking like 15 bottles a day. <laughs> it's like I've had enough. <laughs> I have had enough. Definitely fun. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. It was. It was a. It was a pretty quick read, which was good. It was interesting seeing the exactly how the United Planets. Well, not exactly how, because we don't. They 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 talk about how, but we you know we never really saw a, tr- a true passing of the torch since all the Guardians just kind of seemingly got vaporized or disappeared at the end of the Jeffrey Thorne run. Anyway, though they're kind of making it sound like they were. Well, I guess because they were the the Guardians were and and, and you know the, the the core and everybody was joining the United Planets or. or and everything else that I guess that's that was the the rationale for the, the United Planets basically having an opening to take over and everything else after whatever <laughs> the Guardians all disappeared again. But we get a little of the ground floor of how all that took place and no real answers yet about the quarantining of why 2814 was is quarantined and if that's related to the spectrum issues. But it was cool seeing exactly what played out because it does give you a it does give you a look at it raises questions. It certainly Hal feels guilty just because he first of all, because he fell into because Sinestro was essentially baiting him during that during the time they he was there along with Kilowog as the bodyguard that Sinestro was purposely saying things that on the surface, it, at least it seems like how Hal was being baited because Sinestro was purposely trying to get under his skin and Hal reacted that way. And that's why he was dismissed and sent back to the ship and that and Hal feels guilty for that because if he hadn't left then things wouldn't have played out exactly the same way because we because Kilowog was on the verge of getting killed period he was he started off well but he was kind of getting his ass handed to him which is also another thing that makes it questionable whether this was really the Sinestro Corps members or not because Hal kind of goes past these people kind of these three walk past Hal and they're more like they're in street clothes and all of a sudden they fire up to being in Sinestro Corps uniforms, which is a little weird if you're on Corridor and you're a Sinestro Corps member, you think you would probably be in Sinestro Corps uniform to begin with. But it raises the specter, at least, that Sinestro could be innocent as far as not really having a hand in what happened with Kilowog. And of course, now we know that there's something going on with the central power batteries across the board. 
because of the fact that the yellow one blew up and now we know the blue one blew up. So there seems to be obviously a pattern here. Yeah, I mean, it definitely raises I mean, it answers some questions and, and raises more. And there's been a lot of questions throughout this series. But I think we know somebody who can help answer those questions for us tonight, at least some of them. Don't you think? Come on in, Jim Ford. No, it's not Jim Ford. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get somebody on the line and uh, well, well, you know, maybe you'll figure out who when he uh, picks up the phone. All right, guys. And on the line now with us, we have the writer of the current Green Lantern series, Jeremy Adams. Welcome to the show, sir. Woo, thank you for having me, guys. It's awesome. You are very welcome. Well, thanks. Thanks for being here. We really appreciate it. Well, I, I you know, it's the day the issue came out, so we should <laughs> yeah. probably start there. Sure. Um, Comply <laughs> me with your questions. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, It seems like the long feared theory, at least on our show, has come to light. Kilowog is dead. Uh, and the Sinestro score is maybe at fault, at least by how. And now, forgetting for the moment that we haven't seen a body yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, you by the way, hint- it's, you know, it's comic books, even if you saw a body. Like, That's true. You know what I mean, like. <laughs> You can, see multiple, you can see multiple bodies. It's, the, it's all illusions or constructs. <laughs> but however subtle or not subtle, you've been dropping hints since issue one that something fishy is afoot with Kilowog. Yeah. Um, do you do that as a writer so that when the reveal finally happens, we can look back and put the pieces together? Or is it more, especially for a character of the caliber of Kilowog, for people to kind of sit with it for a moment, as opposed to killing him issue one and having everybody freak out on you. Uh, I put, we, we knew that very, we knew it before I even started. And so those are the little Easter eggs. And it's funny because I would be having these conversations with my editor, Paul, and I definitely was trying to make them more subtle. And I was surprised how quickly people were figuring it out because I was like, I want to be even more subtle. And he was like, no, <laughs> you know, and uh, and so that. That was kind of part of it. It's a re- it's it's such an unusual book for, for me. I mean, as you guys know, I'm barely new at comics. Barely, I guess I, ca- I can only say that for like another couple of years and then I'll be like, I'm, I'm fairly new, but. <clears throat> The Green Lantern thing is interesting because doing the Earth kind of earthbound Hal Jordan that takes place after Jeffrey Thorne's like kind of high high stakes sci-fi run is is a really unusual animal to tangle because I found myself you have Hal and it's like immediately when you start writing a Green Lantern you're like I need to go to space like that's the first in- inclination and to try to ground him and do some stuff and also have some interesting things some of it wasn't necessarily in my control uh but i i tried to incorporate a lot of different people's notes at the beginning and then um just try to make it my own i mean i I shouldn't say that there's just you know it's a collaborative exercise so um as far as the the kilowog i definitely wanted to be more subtle with it because i was i was just and even even then i was surprised how quickly people were like He's dead. <laughs> like it was, I mean, it was immediate. I was like, oh my gosh. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. I mean, because there were some people that didn't believe it. And, and that that was even better in a way. Because somebody's like, no, they're mm-hmm. dead. And people are like, no way, you know. Yeah, I'm, no, unlike, it was just, un, unlike Chad, it was printing T-shirts like after page three of issue hey, one. Hey, look, when you when you call it with issue one, you have to you have to just revel in your joy that you were right. <laughs> totally. And I said totally. right, right with question marks because again, yeah. nobody. Uh, right. But we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, you know whether or not you realize it, being a newer writer to to the series and everything, it's just you're a part of a cycle now because right. with green lantern it has always been he's going to be in space for a while oh we get tired of that let's bring him back down to earth and ground him a little bit oh we get tired of that let's throw him into space yeah, again yeah, yeah, so yeah. like so so you know whether or not you realize it or intended it if you are falling immediately right in line with everything we've ever seen before so <laughs> good on you man. you're part oh. of the crew now <laughs> well, you know, I, I think you guys know that my first credit in television was on the Green Lantern the animated series. And I had followed uh, the Jeff Johns Tomasi, like the Green Lantern, Green Lantern Corps, really heavily back in the day. Um, and then fell off a little bit during different continuity shifts. And so 
it, you know, when I took over writing the flash, it was like trying to dig back in and get some of that mythology and some of the stuff. The flash was, was hard. It was daunting. Nothing compared to getting into the green lantern mythology. It was like, Oh my gosh, yeah. you know, who's alive, who's dead. What version <laughs> of the universe are we in? You know, all that. And, and then, and then you have, we live in a, kind of a weird cultural moment where everybody has distinct opinions and really intense emotions surrounding something like Green Lantern and uh, trying to write something that, you know, you won't get flayed over online. <laughs> you know? It's impossible. Yeah, it is yeah. impossible. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you kind of brought up there for a second that you, you, there were some things that were out of your control. And I mean, look, by issue, the end of issue two, we're going into an event here. So yeah. I would like to talk a little bit about Night Terrors because sure. obviously publishers are going to do what the publishers are going to do. And you have right. some room to inject a few more hints for the whole Kilowog thing. But right. beyond that, it seemed like a good opportunity that you took to just be like, let's explore who Hal is. Right. Just just who he is outside of that. So this is something I ask pretty much every creator we have on. Who is Hal Jordan to you? Is it the oh, same voice you worked with on the animated series? Is it a little bit different? Or what is in your head when you think Hal Jordan? Uh, it It's kind of like Kevin Costner circa Bull Durham. You know, like this kind of like very, um, he's very competent at the, at. I mean, he's competent at piloting. He's competent at, at being a Green Lantern. He's really a good leader and all that stuff. It's his personal life that's absolutely shambles. <laughs> and, um, because he's, I think he's just driven for the, the occupational stuff. I mean, he's good at that stuff, so why bother with the other stuff? And he's always been, you know, like bullhead, not bullheaded, but like I don't even want to say egocentric, but it is, it's a confidence bordering on egocentricity, you know. Like he, but but then he chases after the the problems. The problem with his will is, you know, especially in the original versions of Hal Jordan, it's like he would be constantly hitting on Carol, and Carol would be like, get away, you know. And but he was persistent, and that's that kind of willpower that that you're like, oh man, this guy is persistent, which is funny because even though we introduced that again with how kind of going after Carol a little bit, people were so taken aback by it. Again, totally different cultural moment. And I'm like, well, Carol's not married yet, <laughs> you know, but, but it was like a interesting, like people are like, Oh, that's creepy. I was like, is it creepy? I mean, he, he loves this woman. And then, and then for me, when I'm writing a character and sorry to meander a little bit, but like, I'm trying to figure the character out for me to write. And so I would, I, I was listening to some feedback and different things and it all kind of coalesced for me in a way with definitely the Barry Allen issue where Barry and, uh, helps out uh, Hal. And there's this, not just this conversation about uh, Carol and letting her live a life and let her be happy and all that stuff. Um, but what really hit on me was the entire DC universe has like pivoted toward the sidekicks. And um, in that process, I in the wake of dark crisis and everything. Yeah. With yeah, exactly. dark crisis, yeah. yeah. And even when I was writing Wally, it was, you know, I was just writing Wally in a vacuum. I thought, and then, and then definitely like, that was a sidekick centric thing. Tom Taylor's doing Nightwing. Those Nightwing's definitely getting like a lot of heat on it. And then you see, Justice League's gone, Dark Crisis, everything's focusing on the next generation of heroes being the main heroes. And so then there's like that window of opportunity. It's like, so so who are these people? If we're going to try to chronologically make sense of this, they're they're older now. And what does that mean that they see these kids stepping up and taking being heroes? What does that mean for them? So there's a level of maturity, I think, that I'm trying to inject into Hal a little bit. He's still a slob. He still has 13 bucks in his you know, bank account. But <laughs> there's a certain amount of like, I don't need to push Carol. She knows mm. what I feel. And I have to be who I am. I have to be kind of true to myself. And if she wants to be that person, great. If not, you know, that's what it is. And in the meantime, I'm going to be this hero. This is who I am internally. So I don't know. I, that's a long way winded of uh, saying like, no, you know, it, it makes sense. I, because our friend Dan Kurtzke over at the Mosaic comics, YouTube channel uh, brought this to our attention when we were doing reviews of uh, issues. We, we, when he said it, it finally clicked. We are so used to being inside of Hal's head, especially right. like 
with you mentioned Jeff Johns. Yeah. I'm Hal Jordan. I, 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 you know, like we have the narrative, and it's not like you don't have the narrative boxes within, right. but we're you're with your run thus far, we haven't gotten a lot of like internal monologue for Hal. We haven't been living in his head. So by the time we get to your Barry Allen issue, we get so much information because we haven't really heard from Hal yet. Right. And he finally has Barry to talk to. So like Hal knows everything, right. but we don't know what Hal knows until he talks to somebody else. Right. So that was a really big issue for us to like, see kind of a, a glimpse a little bit of what you think of Hal at that moment. So that was a very yeah. important for issue, issue for us too. Yeah. I mean, it was an important issue for me. I mean, cause that, was that three or four? I can't remember. Um, four. Because we went one, two, and then it was Night Terrors. You know, it was right to Night Terrors. And my thing with Night Terrors was just like, they asked me, you know, it was either going to be a two-month break or do I want to write it? And I'm like, I'll write anything. And I was like, oh, so it's a character that <laughs> can exploit your greatest fears. I'm like, he's Hal Jordan. And then so, you know, <laughs> I did, I, obviously when you read that, the Green Lantern Night Terrors, it's like, set up and then the second and i was just hoping that people would read the second one because the first one is just like oh this thing is trying to pinpoint how and can't and then the second mm-hmm. one's like oh you you came to the wrong planet man like you know like like i love how sure how is at like oh you're trying to exploit fear like ooh, wrong guy wrong guy you know they've done that yeah <laughs> I, I love that because to me and and that's the that's the interesting thing is I dive deeper and deeper into Green Lantern even though I have like a history with Green Lantern you know you're still finding aspects I would see people that were like really questioning uh, you know oh how are the supers affected by the radiation like you know you're bringing up this kryptonite radiation I'm like that's happened like four or five times in comic books that Green Lantern has been able to like make kryptonite you know so I'm like that's not I didn't make it up. <laughs> you know, I'm just I'm just giving you a little bit more of what this hero can be, because um, I think Wally is, you know, OP in a way. Um, but I also think that Hal is incredibly more powerful than people give him credit for. And we've gone through a huge swath of people kind of like making fun of him in a weird way. And I just like, man, that's crazy to me. We can we can yeah. thank Ryan Reynolds for that. <laughs> <laughs> who will never be forgiven on this show ever <laughs> not that he cares for, to be fair it's yeah. because he won't shut up about it well this yeah many well, years well, later. Well, <laughs> well yes but it's the same thing who is the one who keeps talking about it ryan reynolds if he would just... well i you know that was one of the reasons that green lantern the animated series uh didn't go yeah anymore, was they were like we've got you know we've got these toys and they're like yeah, we've got landfills of Green Lantern toys. And we're like, but it's different. And they're like, it's the same to them, you know? Yeah, that was unfortunate. I've got my McDonald's. Yes, I noticed that. I actually bought the entire set of those unopened on eBay because I have a nephew who's like three years old. So I just put them in like a little basket with a bunch of stuff you can play with when he comes over. (laughs) So one day he'll ask me, who's this? Who's this? Who's this? And there it'll be <laughs> i showed like a couple of the episodes to my daughters and they were like uh yeah let's watch this <laughs> that's cool so now i have a bunch of things i want to just touch on that we talked yeah, about go ahead, go yeah ahead. first of all like the night the night terrors obviously uh yeah i mean you knew based on the premise that of course parallax had to show up that was a given but but that being like the catalyst it's like you end on the parallax cliffhanger for that to be yeah. the, that to be like the big twist it's like oh really this is the yeah. thing i put to bed a long time ago and you think that's the one that's going to push me over the edge yeah yeah and yeah they, i mean and purposely that was like because i felt like people and right and people did they were like oh this is so tropey this is so you know oh and i was like yeah i know you know because that's why in the second issue i twist it you know right. as as a big parallax fan i appreciated that and and you had to i mean and just to, just to, i mean it would be it wouldn't be like emotionally or intellectually honest to do something dealing with whatever fears anxieties or issues hal jordan had and didn't go down the, because it's come on now that, that's that was so blatantly obvious and, and in a good way that that's like that that is like the uh the albatross hanging around his neck that for some people they will never forgive him for yeah totally totally and related to the earthbound 
I, you do a really good job with that. Telling telling Earthbound Hal Jordan stories, we've seen we've seen this happen before, and we've seen different runs with that. And I think you do a really good job with it. I think better than most. I think I think it, it because oftentimes we see it happen, and it's like it may start off. We'll start off this way. Then he's on Earth for okay. We gave you three issues on Earth. We don't know what else to do. <laughs> We're taking him all over. <laughs> so I think I'm telling you, it's it, it, it's a weird. Yeah, it was it was it's strange to me because it's like one two issue one two and then two months of night terrors. So by the time we get back to our story, you could tell people were like, "This is going slower than I want it to," and I, I wanted to be like, "It's not my fault." There's two there's two months, you know, <laughs> like, you know. Right. But but um, but yeah, the mystery of what's going on in space and all that is like, you know, that's that's a huge driver for what's happening on Earth. A little right. Bit. And for Carol and Hal, I I I was the one, the only one in the sh- of the three of us on the show. Like I think I kind of understood where you were going with it. I did not go with the oh Hal's being ridiculously creepy. <laughs> I, <can't>, I, <laughs> I mean to me it didn't seem all that different from the usual Hal in you know, a Hal and Carol approach. So I so I, to me I just it was very much like um, I remember being in college and I had a girlfriend. Um, we were on and off for ages, and she ended up. Uh, we broke up and then she ended up dating this guy. And I remember being like, I'm going to win her back, you know? And it was just such a ham fisted adolescent type thing. And I think that was kind of an interesting, and it's something I'm going to explore more in the book a little bit is because I think what we kind of forget about Carol and Hal is like, they've been in each other's lives forever. And um, so it makes it really complicated because they're so intimate in terms of just, history and and how much i mean how much do we don't i don't know how much and i've been looking for it but you guys would know better than i but like there hasn't been that much explored of them in adolescence as kids you know and and it's like it's a real interesting thing to me that these people have basically grown up together in a in a in a fashion and to be on the the precipice of somebody leaving you, you know, or or you think leaving you is is really crazy. And I said at the beginning when I started writing this, I didn't know if they would end up together, which is uh, I may know now, but <laughs> I'm not revealing anything. Right. But it also makes sense because they're so tied together because of, of course, the the key, the biggest moment in Hal's life, you know, with with his father dying, that they're kind of like they're kind of they're kind of like connected at the hip because of that as a trigger event, too. Right. So right. Now I, so now I have to ask this one question, which came from this issue, actually, because I wanted to delve into the emotional spectrum of Tad. So this seems like a natural segue. Jeremy, why Odom? Haven't those people suffered enough? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, they're so full of hope. We have to bring them down. It's just too much. It's just too much. I, just, um, I mean, poor no, St. Walker. It's it's. It's all it's it's all part of the greater mystery happening, you know, in the uh, in, in, in in with United Planets and the, and the universe and everything going on. Um, and so that's that's kind of like, obviously, it also dovetails with a Sinestro, Sinestro being able to manifest red lantern energy is like such a like what? And and all of that, there's reasoning behind it. And and so all of that is hinting toward things are messed up with the emotional spectrum and we're going to find out why really soon. <laughs> two ways. There's two ways for me to go with this. But let me pick up on the, the since you mentioned the Sinestro thing, that's something that when we talked about the last issue, that's something that I kind of kind of connected some dots and then double checked that I was right. Since Hal, Hal and Sinestro, obviously, they were they were fighting in the Arizona desert, Green Lantern versus a pseudo Red Lantern. Yeah. And uh, the last time we saw something like that go on was in the Green Lanterns book with uh, the beginning of the Green Lanterns book with the rage seed and everything being planted. Is is that a should we read into that that it's more than a coincidence that he that he was able to channel red when they were in the same location that the the rage entity is growing? Uh, I wouldn't read into that, but I okay. love the fact that you did. I mean, because the fact is, this the this the truth of it is, it starts out over the Arizona desert. They're flying around, right? And um, they end up being, and you'll spoilers, but we were supposed to have a caption there 
but we couldn't for some reason. We will in the next one. Um, it's in a small town in Spain that is uh, that's where Zermanico is from. And okay. so we've kind of made that uh, again. You will get a lot more about that. <laughs> and it's such like and and. I don't know if it's going to work, but to me, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to, uh, you know, some some deep cuts in a, in a way. Um, no, the, you, what you're saying would probably be even more uh, intelligent, but I didn't think of that. So, yeah, <laughs> it was something that when we talked about it, it was just something that popped into my head. And then we were double checking because I was looking at the, the breakdowns of uh, I think it was like DC wiki or whatever. And it said that, yeah, it said that the beginning of the green lanterns run in the hell tower and the hell seat and the rage seat were all in Arizona. It's like, oh. I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, if I would have known that I would have somehow tried to like work that in. I'm, I went to, I'm from Arizona. I, I was born in Arizona and um, I went to school in Tucson. And so I, yeah, I was like, yeah, it, there's this in Tucson, there's this crazy, like you can go down into decommissioned missile silos and there was like 24 intercontinental ballistic missile silos in Arizona. And I guess they decommissioned them, but you can go down in one of them. And they were like preserved in 1960s. And you can like get the key and turn the key. Cool. Like it's, it's totally creepy. But I thought, oh, that's a great place for Sinestro to kind of launch his campaign of, you know, fear from. So, yeah, I didn't I, I should have looked further. I would have hit upon the other part. Hey man, you you you've stumbled across the crazies on the or at least one of the crazies because when we were starting <laughs> off in Arizona, I yeah. literally pulled up Google Maps and I was like, well, maybe they're not flying supersonic, <laughs> so they probably ended up around like Baja California, well, yeah, Mexico that. area. Which towns match what Zermanico's art is doing? <laughs> <laughs> I, love I, I I wanted to touch a bit of you. You talked about Carolyn Howe, and I'm going to be 100% frank with you. This may be a challenge and maybe too much of a challenge, but honestly, despite the many years of reading we have an experience under our belts, I personally have never. Hmm, no one's given me yet a reason to put Carolyn Howe in the same pantheon as Barry and Iris or right. Clark and Clark and Lois or, or any of the others. And it's always been weird because when I heard you talk on on podcast of all with Myron and Phil about you weren't sure where to go with it, I was like, great, because I don't know either if I care. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to do with them anymore uh, because they keep putting her in his his life only to take take him away. And right. sometimes her reaction always seems a little weird in terms of like, well, you were a star Sapphire. You've been out there. You're like, you should have some sympathy and understanding for what he's yeah. doing and why he's gone. Um, so uh, Hey man, kudos to you for taking on that challenge uh, and maybe coming up with an answer. So, yeah, I mean, cause those are, those are, when I start asking those questions, those are the ones that like, you know, I'm a huge nerd. So I'm trying to like make sense of the continuity and I'm trying to make sense of like why, why this is that and this is that you know it, it, I, I mean even what you said like i get lois and clark i didn't really understand barry and iris that much i think the tv show did a great job of like illustrating it in a way i guess but like um i was much more obviously writing wally and linda i was like fully invested in that relationship and really exploited that relationship and so here with carol again i think the hook, or at least the thing that I'm gravitating toward, is the fact that these people have been in their each other's lives, and that makes it unique than any other, um, you know, paramour for uh, uh, the DC universe. Is the fact that they, I mean, grew up together, and yeah, she was a star sapphire, and like all this weirdness, and it's also, you know, that's that's one of the struggles with DC in general is just trying to figure out what you're going to keep from what continuity. I definitely try to keep everything <laughs> in some ways um, because I feel like that's more appropriate if you're a fan. You know, you want to you want to know that Blackest Night took place. You want to know that all that you know everything, uh, the the biggest runs in DC took place. That's important to me, anyways. Yeah, for sure. I, I will say it's been great reading the series so far. Issue seven today was fantastic. And as much as I love what we've seen with Zermanico, I was very impressed with uh, Amanke. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. And right? he had, and, and we had worked together in uh, the Flash, the Dark Crisis crossover. And he's great. He's really great. I just love the. I love the Guy Gardner bit, you know. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's just like I'm gonna. We, we were talking about that. Me, yeah, you're not gonna tell me what to do, you know. And it's like that's, <laughs> that's super a lot of joy in my heart there because my two favorite covers I think of any comic book is in the Justice League International with Lobo over Guy Gardner and Guy has a teardrop when he was in the pacifist mode and then the second issue was him over Lobo. I'm back. I was like, oh, this is this is. <laughs> Want to make something of it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was another good part in this issue. The fact that guy's like, nope, I don't care what you say. I, I, this is ridiculous. Oh, I get to go after Lobo. I'm in. As yeah. You suckers are on your own. I'm happy. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe laugh. Maybe yeah. laugh. But, All those lanterns. I mean, this is like I'm picking up, you know, like, like what's the credible reason that these lanterns have been doing other things? And, and, um, and I think I've I've kind of gummed up the works for DC as a whole, like the quarantine and stuff. And it's it's just like they've got to figure out. I know what it is. I know what you know. Lord Premier Theros. I've talked. Philip Kennedy Johnson and I talk a lot about where um, he talks to me about where his book is going, where my book is going, where we're going to converge and stuff like that. And converge was not a convergence hint, so don't freak out. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, but um, you know, that's been really fun to have somebody on the other end of this with Philip just talking about us talking about the book and where it is coming in the next year, you know, which is exciting because we've planned out quite a few issues ahead. Yeah. Re regarding the quarantine, I, I know Chad has a question, so yeah. I want to make this do it quick. Um, I'm trying I'm trying to phrase it the right way. Uh, how much how much does the. Or how much do the United Planets know about what's going on with the emotional spectrum? And does that have anything to do with the quarantine? Oh, you. Uh, yeah, I can't. I can't answer any of that. I, <laughs> I can tell you that the quarantine is, you know, it is it is complete. It is not just a spatial quarantine. It is magical. And it is like there's there is a certain amount of no one gets past this. Though some people have gotten past it, um, and if they do get past it, you have to ask yourself um, how, how or who's letting them get past it. And so you already have, um, you know, very early on, Sinestro is desperate to get off, you know, get off Earth and get to Korrigar. I'm calling Korrigar, though it's New Korrigar. Right. And he can't, he can't, there's nothing he can do. And so there is this kind of like alien because I've always thought, man, if you quarantine Earth, Earth's going to be the place that every bad guy runs to. Like, if quarantine it from the Green Lantern Corps, it's like, oh, crap, then everybody that's on the lambs come into this planet. And you have those kind of, like, alien arms dealers and people that are being armed with alien tech. And it's just like, oh, something's happening, or at least there's a pipeline from somewhere to somewhere. I probably told too much there, but whatever. Okay. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Well, uh, we're coming up on your time, and I just want to ask one, oh, one gosh, last question. Oh, gosh, okay. Uh, speed round. Go. <laughs> no, uh, you you mentioned your meetings with uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson, and, you know, oh. you, you've been tweeting about him and stuff. Uh, I know you can't say anything, like, until there's, like, official solicits and so on and so forth, but would it be fair to ask if things are more, because of the, as a result of those meetings, will more directly influence each other, or it's more just kind of set dressing for the GL universe in terms of what the United planets are doing. So we're on the same page here, or is no, it more no, of like, I, I would say that it's all over to a, like we're all converging onto something. Okay. 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 That's fair. That's fair. Well, um, it's been, a, it's been fantastic speaking with you and so thank quick, you so much sorry. for what you've been you hit me up in like a couple of months. We'll do it again. <laughs> yeah, good, no, for actually. sure. For sure. Absolutely. Uh, I, I want to say, look, I've been in reading everything. There's been little notes that you just be, are so attentive to this. And um, there's an obvious appreciation of the history that's happened with Green Lantern so far, like a nod to how having previously been an alcoholic by having him not drink beer by himself, you know, at the trailer and stuff like that. Um, I, I I would ask, is it been hard for you to balance the history of everything that, that you've learned and figured out about how in in while also trying to insert your own flavor and everything yeah, has yeah, it been yeah, hard yeah. for you. I think that's the, the needle you have to thread and that's, that's extremely hard. And it's, and it's, you know, it, what stinks is I'll screw it up, you know, and I'll try to go back and mm -hmm. I'll try to fix it. And I, I, but I try not to screw it up. 
Um, and, but yeah. the mythology of Green Lantern is so massive. It affords some opportunities to kind of create other mythologies and, and, and to exploit some of the corners. Cause I, you know, I'm friends with Jeff Johns and I, I would say like, you screwed me, man. Like, like you filled every corner of this universe. Like, what are you doing? Like, I now what am I? Where am I going to go? And so, in those questions of where am I going to go, I have some answers. At least things that I think are interesting and things that I can kind of like look in the corners of things that maybe haven't been um, exploited. And and really, I think my run is also a way for me to to bring it back to this kind of silver age of Hal Jordan and the real like mission statement of what Green Lantern was when it, when Hal Jordan became Green Lantern. And so that's been kind of uh, my guiding light there Um, because a lot of stuff has happened. A lot of stuff has happened in the universe and even Jeff Thorne's run, man, like the, the, how it ended, there were so many huge things that happened and I'm sitting there going like, holy cow. And, you know, I had an editor say, uh, just write a, a paragraph that says everything's back to normal. I'm like, I can't do that. I'm a nerd. Like, I have to explain. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> so. no, it's okay. Hey, look, I know you're friends with Jeff, but if you ever need us to sign an NDA, we are self-proclaimed lanternologists. So, I'm just saying. <laughs> hey, for, for Mark, the big Parallax fan, you mentioned Convergence earlier. Just FYI, yeah. Convergence Parallax is still out there somewhere if you uh, ever you want know, to play with them. I tried to bring back, um, oh gosh, who was the guy that Hawk, uh, they they switched and it was, um, he wore the armor and he took it off and he found out it was Hank Hall. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, oh yeah, uh, Hawk and Dove, right? Hawk. Yeah, yeah. But who, who, yeah. what was the name of that character? It was like they were. It was supposed to be somebody else when they were publishing it. And that people, Mon- was that Monarch? Was Monarch. That- yeah, yeah, yeah. Monarch. Yeah. I was gonna bring Monarch back. I was straight up gonna bring Monarch back. Not in, uh, Green Lantern. I was gonna do it in Flash. And and then they were like, no. And then I go, how about I bring in Galactus? And and but we won't call him Galactus. And they were like, are you insane? And I was like, OK, uh, <laughs> so I kept trying to go down. I, I try to pull, man. I got my who's who here. Which who's who? The the singles or the omnibus? Because no, the I, omnibus. Got, I got. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My right next to my DC Atlas. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for so much for joining us, Jeremy. It's been a, an absolute pleasure. Well, I definitely have to have you on because I have so many more questions. Yes, we um, both do. But uh, we'll let you know when it's up. And and thanks for so much for coming on, man. I really thank appreciate you. I appreciate it. it, guys. Thanks, Jeremy. It was a lot of fun. All right, thank you. Right. Bye. Have a great night. Bye. Bye. <laughs> and that, my friends, was our conversation with the writer of the series thus far, Jeremy Adams. Woohoo! That has been in the works for some time now. <laughs> I'd say I'd say spoiler alert, but you've been kind of you've been you you've been spoiler alerting all over the place. So <laughs> Chad's not one to keep a secret. Uh, I mean, I hinted at it, uh, but uh, you know, I thought I did pretty good at not saying it, saying it, at least on on the air. <laughs> I, I've I've definitely hinted about it uh, in other places, I, I mean, but for sure. I mean, you you were not you were not as bad as. Is saying, you know, we have like Irony Ar- Jadams is coming on, but <laughs> but you were close. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, very easy to talk to, obviously, and uh, just just a all around cool guy. Seems like. Yeah, it was fun. It was it was I was fun, very very easy going. So it'll definitely be good to uh, do round two of our conversation when when the opportunities arise for all of us to pick up on other questions that we didn't get a chance to ask tonight along with obviously a whole bunch of other things that'll be playing out over the next few months so we'll know absolutely and and if if for any reason guys uh that felt rushed or anything um that it wasn't i mean it kind of was it's not our fault basically um if you don't know this is a little podcasting behind the scenes and this is happening with not other podcasts besides just us um you know, Zoom has been implementing more and more rules on the back end. And we figured out, you know, since the pandemic, at the very least, I would say that Zoom in terms of recording quality is better than Skype ever was, which is what we were using for a long time. So we started using Zoom. But 
after the pandemic, you know, quote unquote ended and all this stuff had happened, you know, their free version became a 40 minute room and then uh, it would close out and you'd have to open another room. Well, then they added another thing on top of that where you have to wait 10 minutes between opening rooms before you can open another room after the, your previous call ended. Um, so it really kind of kicks you in the ass if you're going <laughs> to interview people because you're uh, okay. Hey, um, we can speak to you for 40 minutes. We could do longer, but are you willing to take a 10 minute <laughs> uh, intermission and come back uh, and open this link again? And that's not fun for anybody. So um, self-imposed 40 minute limit because of crappy technology, because would we like to pay for Zoom? Sure, but they only offer yearly plans, and they're expensive, and we don't make money off of this show. So <laughs> if you would like us to have uh, potentially longer interviews in the future, you're more than welcome to donate to the show. Oh, stop. <laughs> just, just please stop. <laughs> But no, that was that was really cool. He answered a lot of stuff. You know, there was some stuff that, you know, he obviously couldn't answer. But, you know, you and I were talking. It seems like it seems like he was just, you know, uh, still willing to just continue the conversation regardless of whether or not he could or couldn't say anything. I just obviously choosing his words a little more carefully uh, to not spoil anything for for readers. But, yeah, so relaxed, so easy to talk to a lot of fun. And and I love the the this is because this is something I'm getting from some of the newer creators that are coming up um, in the indie side of the comic book industry is some of these people who are, you know, getting big names are just fully admitting like, look, I don't know what happened in every single issue <laughs> on every single panel and page of this character that I'm writing. So there are going to be screw ups uh, and we're just going to roll with the punches as best we can. And I, I kind of like that transparency from creative teams these days. I do too. I think that was a, uh, I think that's a good, you like to think being honest a lot has a, is its own reward at times these days. Uh, or just as a general rule, maybe these days it's more out of out of favor, but it, it, it is refreshing. It's like, yeah, it's like, well, I didn't think of that. Maybe maybe I probably maybe I actually should have. But I but I didn't think of that. And it's like or we know we're going to, you know, I do my best not to have gaps in in my knowledge or of the mythology and the history, but it's going to happen. So then you just try to correct it when it does. So, yeah, for sure. It's been it's been cool seeing obviously online and hearing him talk about like a little bit of how he and Philip Kennedy Johnson are working together. Sounds like we might have an actual crossover coming. I mean, obviously he didn't say, say that, but uh, he didn't confirm nor deny. <laughs> so anything's possible, I guess. Yeah. I mean, if anything, I mean, yeah, he, he, he clearly seemed to embrace the idea that they're, that, you know, the magic convergence term that they are, which makes sense that based, at some point, what's going on with one is going to, you know, and what's going on with the other are going to coincide. And the, and that makes perfect sense because John is important to the Green Lantern Corps across the board. And now that having John in the, in this flashback when the United Planets is essentially taking over is is important because of the fact that it, it, it opens the door for, you know, for John, just like John says in the issue that, hey, I'm here now. I just want to hear what they say. I might, that might be it. I might be out as soon as I hear what they have to say, but still. Yeah. A hundred percent. I just, it was cool also hearing him talk about um, everything going on just within Hal's own head. Um, and you know what, what, what we, what we obviously talked about in the actual uh, interview, but that moment we were talking about when we brought up issue four with Barry and, you know, Dan had been pointing out to us that, in terms of narrative structure, the way everything had been was we, we weren't getting as much of a glimpse inside Hal's head until he talked to somebody else. Um, so it's, it's, it was cool to see that that, that was, uh, in terms of, of, you know, really the handle on Hal's character and stuff like that issue four was a big deal for Jeremy too. Yes. He seemed to embrace that and want to talk about that on his own. So that was kind of cool. For sure. Um, did you want to talk a little bit more about issue seven? get some more details out there that maybe we didn't touch on uh, too much in that interview. What relevant points were you thinking about that we didn't touch on? I will say because Barros is the same, he's this exact same guy we saw in war journal, right? I, it's interesting to see, I guess his subdued side. I guess it's the face that he has to put on. 
yeah. have to put on that. He has to put on because obviously there are some people probably in the United, you like to think, in the United Planets that aren't horribly, totally corrupt. So if they knew this douche was really a horrible person doing horrible things and that, which is another thing when you look at what happened and you don't, it could have been a, some of this could have, we could very well find out that the whole assassination attempt was a fake to begin with, you know, would it would it surprise anyone based on things we've seen before if it turned out that basically he or he orchestrated the entire assassination not because they thought he was ever going to really get killed but because there was a it had to do with either trying to get Sinestro to do what he wanted or related to what's going on with the emotional spectrum and what what's causing the quarantine. Yeah, it seems it's because like obviously we saw him kind of saving face in the beginning of War Journal when we first were introduced to him. Uh, or oh, sorry, rather that issue of War Journal. Was it issue five, three, four? Um, which scene are you talking? Journal. Which scene are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he was kissing babies and everything. Yeah, until yeah, bringing on the refugees just so he could throw them all in like in a concentration camp. Yeah, that was uh, was that was that five? Was it five? I don't think we're at five yet. Five and or whatever. four? It's got to be four. I'll, I'll... Yeah. So, but you know, immediately after those couple of panels or whatever, he dropped the facade. So it's interesting to see him man- maintain the facade for this entire issue for a little bit, because you know you always think somebody that sleazy. I don't can they can they hold can they hold the face that long? Uh, and it looks like he's uh, pretty practiced at it. So it just makes him feel like even more of a scumbag. <laughs> <laughs> and it is issue four. Yes, we were correct. Yeah, I'm sorry I wasn't able to make that one, but that that was a good issue. I thought it was a great issue of uh, War Journal, by the way. It was fun, yeah, no uh, doubt about it. I really enjoyed the art on this issue, and I think I, I can't. I, uh, I know I mentioned that in the interview, but I have to give um, credit where credit is due, also to the colorist, um, because we have so many you know different colored alien species, skin tones, and then we have the Green Lanterns and when the greens are bright and the shading on the costumes and making sure that when we have uh, a shot of the, of the, of what, uh, four, five, six, seven of them. Um, when we have a shot of the seven of them that uh, are kind of overlapping, that they're not kind of melting into each other because of a poor coloring job or anything like that. And I thought Kilowog and Hal looked great. I did really also enjoy that scene of Hal and Kilowog, one entire page of Hal and Kilowog walking down the hall together, talking about everything. Uh, and you know, the whole like, Hey, maybe should I stay here? Should I not? And Kilowog's like, what? So you're going to go have a family of your own. And he was talking about how, you know, you think Carol is waiting around for your sorry ass. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a great, great moment. <laughs> the, the banter between the two of them. And of course it's not, I'm sure it's not a coincidence at all that you're supposed to take that because of the fact that you have the relationship between these two characters, but we, but we already know where it's going. We just don't know how it's going there that even, and I liked the part when they were in a similar position, when they were about to go deal with, uh, get, go to the meeting with Sinestro when his uh, King Kong like throne there. And how, how delivers the star Wars line about having a bad feeling about this. And Kilowog says, you have a bad feeling about like everything. And it's like, well, that's the reason I'm still alive basically. <laughs> so I thought that little band, I like that, that little banter. That's the reason I'm still breathing. Yeah. What did you think of Sinestro's handling of this meeting here? Or, or even conversely, how, because how losing his temper, look, him being frustrated with Sinestro, Sinestro being the one to get under his his skin and stuff like that. Does it make sense? Sure. But there's also kind of a part of me that's like, come on, Hal, you know better. Don't don't feed him. Don't you you know exactly what he's going to do. Don't you know, don't feed the troll. <laughs> yeah, I think there was there's there's a certain element of that in this. It's like I it did. it. They obviously don't want sinestro for some i mean it it's one of those things where you look at it you can understand why so anybody in the green lantern corps wouldn't want sinestro to be in their club whatever their club happens to be even though conceptually if you're part of this club you are more under control and you're going to have more supervision and there's going to be more as much as they may not want it kind of like the whole line from uh black widow's line from civil war that as long as you're as long as you're still as long as you have that one hand on the wheel, you can still drive. 
that as long as they have a little bit of control and they will have more control if Sinestro is in the, is in the United Planets like everybody else, if, if New Corridor is. But it, yeah, so on some level, it did seem it seemed odd. But then again, that's why that's why you have to delve into the motives and try to do the detective work and think, well, on the surface, you read this issue quick. It seems like Sinestro is a strong case for Sinestro being innocent and not and well, making the case that he's right, that I didn't have anything to do with what happened to Kilowog. And if anything, it's your fault, mostly because Hal not only let himself get manipulated to get thrown out of the room, but because he didn't he didn't stay and fight and protect his fellow corpsmen as opposed to protecting just a you know, a, a politician, a bureaucrat. But there's also a bunch of things that say, well, Sinestro would know how to manipulate how, so it'd be really easy to get him out of the room just so Kilowog would still be out, would be more likely to be, be overnumbered, oh, to be outnumbered and overcome just because Hal's not around to help him and also to be able to have people... Pre- People who may not be Sinestro Corps members, but temporarily are Sinestro Corps members, but have Sinestro been able to say, hey, they're not mine, that you could see Sinestro manipulating all of that, too, because that's the, that's the way he is. So it's so it it, it adds to it adds to the mystery other than the fact that we know it's not like Hal didn't literally Hal didn't like uh, put a gun to Kilowog's head and kill him because they because he's not <laughs> that directly responsible. And like you like you said, they there's no way of knowing if Kilowog is really dead anyway, since Hal, since Hal, you know, Hal pretty much got knocked unconscious in the explosion of the central power battery. We have no idea what happened after, during or after that explosion. Yeah, I mean, and it's something we've mentioned in the past. It's it's look, it's one thing to have a theory about like, oh, Kilowog's dead. Uh, but we, we, you know, we did say like, you know, several times it could be a bait and switch where, you know, Hal thinks he's dead or whatever. Um there's only so many layers of the onion you can peel back in a theory of what you precisely think is going to happen. But I will say the moment we did a page turn and we see the explosion of the battery and then it did another page turn and Hal's like he was vaporized. I was like, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> Kilowog's not dead or something completely different happened. He could be, he could be dead, but something completely different happened or he's alive somewhere. But yeah, when especially look, especially in Green Lantern, vaporized. When we've seen people even on panel be quote unquote vaporized before, that was usually like a like a visual artistic rendering of a transition into the antimatter universe or something like that. Like that was it was never a quote like this person has been incinerated. <laughs> so yeah, nobody. Uh, to be found he was quote-unquote vaporized i don't know about that <laughs> yeah so, it's a, uh, it's I, guess, certain, I guess we'll see <laughs> yeah it's certain, it's certain it's certainly suspect so i think uh and even and even with, with what jeremy said there's a in a way there's a little more fuel added to the fire that oh yeah even even if we saw his body we, we wouldn't necessarily have to believe that he was there but the fact that we didn't and the fact that something clearly is going on with the emotional spectrum that we and we don't know what it is and we don't know what's causing it or what the of what the point of it is that but it but it is sad my rage seed theory went down in flames <laughs> hey man it's all it, i take it as a little victory sometimes when you're like when the creator says honestly i didn't know that happened that's a really cool idea uh it's wrong <laughs> but but that would have been really awesome and i could definitely see myself having gone down that road if i knew about it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I guess, I guess I guess I guess that's my my moment for this interview. I didn't I didn't get the big the big oh that's a great question moment in this one. Even though that was I ha- I think I had that question we just didn't get to it. But but still yes that was that that was kind of the moment of that that it it, was, it is like a moral victory and it's like oh that's a that's a that's a really good idea. I wish I, I wish yeah I wish I had knew that going into the story. It's like I'm just from Arizona. That's why I wanted to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I will have I so I, I don't think I have much else to say about this issue, but I do have I guess one question, maybe no two, I guess, questions. So I didn't get a chance to ask Jeremy, like, because I asked him like how he defines how. I didn't ask him how how who he how he defines Sinestro, because one thing I wanted to ask him is is if he if he would be able to answer, is does he think Sinestro is a liar? And the reason I wanted to ask that is because personally, I don't think he is. 
And, you know, we've talked about that on other episodes before. So if Sinestro wasn't behind everything that happened in the attack on that meeting, okay, which I would assume he's not, you know, if he signed and swears up and down, he wasn't responsible and also told Hal such um, and and everything like that. Wouldn't that mean that the offending party there, or the person who set it up, has to be the United Planets and or Varos or both, or if they're one and the same? And what's the end game there? It would. I'm not saying we have to answer that question now. I'm just saying, doesn't that have to be the question now? Is what is Varos's end game if he was the one that set up the attack on that meeting? Well, yeah. Because of the fact that we don't know the answer to that yet. And yeah, speaking yeah. of which, you surprised me that you asked the how question. I thought you were going to ask concerning concerning we had talked about this. I figured if only having time to ask. Well, I mean, you asked it early on, but I figured I figured you were going to ask the Sinestro one, which actually would would be a little more of a wild card because. But nonetheless, yeah, it gives you something to ask next time. I don't know. Yeah, I think sure. I think at the end of the day, we don't. They they give you reasons to believe Sinestro is not involved. They give you reasons to also believe Sinestro could be involved. And uh, well, no, we'll know soon yeah. enough. And so then my second question spinning out of that would be the whole emotional spectrum problem thing. Is that then also connected to whatever the plans of the UP have going on? Or is that a separate thing? I tend to think it's a separate thing, um, but... Could they be I based on the way he answered my question or didn't no, by not the way he not he didn't answer my question, but based on his non-answer and the way he phrased it, I I I I would kind of read into the a little bit that they probably Barros has nothing to do with it. No, that they they know that they I would read the opposite. I would say that they know that there's something going on with the emotional spectrum because since I I kind of asked about the United Planets, how much how how yeah. How much do they know when did that factor into the quarantine? Now, he may have just been answering the quarantine part that it would have been re- it's reading into it. It would have been really easy to say, oh, the United, the United, you know, the United Planets may, may know a lot of things or they may have their own interests, but they don't know. They don't have any understanding or about anything about the emotional spectrum, let alone what, you know, the problems in it. But the fact that he didn't want to touch that at all, that makes me think they may be aware of some things that are going on in the emotional spectrum, which may have to do with maybe that's why they want Sinestro in the fold. And that's maybe why they want to quarantine two eight one four. And we, and we don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I'm just laughing at the, the, uh, the absurdity of, of what we do here on the show. We pick apart the issues and then we have interviews with the creators and pick apart the interviews with the creators. <laughs> yeah. But what can you do? It's fun. But yeah, it's been it was a great issue and it was, uh, you know, really thank you so much to Jeremy for coming on yet again. That was pretty cool. Yes, it was. And we'll hopefully have him on in the future, guys. So thanks for listening so much. But before we we close out, um, we did want to remind everybody about our sponsor for uh, uh, for now and up until the end of February. This is Manly Bands, uh, which has a DC Comics line of uh bands and rings uh available on their website and you for being a listener get a discount uh of 30 percent off of uh a ring of your choice from that dc comics line including their green lantern ring as well uh if uh if you use the code man uh, was it lantern cast 30 correct Yep. So uh, if you want to learn more about the rings, we did have a whole episode, episode 543, talking about it. There's a there's a lot to it and and we really do enjoy the product. So we want to make sure uh, that you guys have a, a hefty discount uh, to go into, um, you know, your your new year. And, uh, you know, if you want to upgrade your wedding band or whatever with you and your significant other, you can do so. And it could be a nice Valentine's Day gift. This uh, this discount discount will last until the end of February. So definitely go check out what Manly Bands has to offer. Yes, absolutely. Please do. I'll let them know we sent you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, speaking of places people can check us out uh, and and I don't know, that was a bad transition. I'm losing my steam, man. I used it all uh, for the I, interview. I don't know if that's really a horrible transition. <laughs> if, if you want to see other places where Chad can whip it out, it's like. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> but if you like to <laughs> get us out of here gracefully, Mark. That's right. <laughs> but if you like to contact us <laughs> in, in a more normal platform and or way, lanterncast.com. The email is lanterncast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, hashtag geocast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify. Please leave us a positive review on all platforms you listen to us on. Last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a text or voicemail, 708 Lantern, and let us know what you think. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night.